Welcome to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Wargle, Wisconsin Beat Reporter for the Rivals.com network. I had every intention of spending this episode solely on recruiting because Paul Chris and his staff have had a huge recruiting week for the Wisconsin football program. After months of having a 22 recruiting class that had just one player, in-state quarterback Miles Burkett, Badgers have received non-binding verbal commitments from in-state offensive lineman Barrett Nelson, tight end J.T. Seagreaves, athlete Cade uh, Iacomelli, uh, cornerback uh, Corey Lyle, Lied, and wide receiver Tommy McIntosh. It's a huge week uh, for the Badgers that really have kind of jump-started their 2022 recruiting class because official visits are finally starting to happen at the University of Wisconsin. They've had a lot of huge visitors coming in, and this recruiting class is only going to get bigger. But unfortunately... My two cents on those uh, commitments are going to have to wait after the scandal-slash-controversy that has surrounded head coach Greg Gard and the Wisconsin basketball program over the past week. It involves a uh, damning audio clip that was anonymously sent to multiple media outlets, including BadgerBlitz.com, that questions the culture of the program by last year's senior class. There's a lot to unpack here, and I'll do. I'll try to do so for you over this episode, which will include playing the edited audio portion that was sent out uh, this past week. But before I do that, some background on what you're going to hear. Uh, this meeting reportedly lasted well over two hours and included the seven seniors on Wisconsin's 2020-21 uh, basketball roster. Uh, head coach Greg Gard and his three assistant coaches, Dean Oliver, Joe Kravinoff, and Orlando Tucker. The meeting happened in February with four games remaining in the regular season, a season that was mostly a sinking ship for the program after that Christmas Day win at Michigan State. Now remember that the Badgers were number seven in the country at one point last season, but Wisconsin never won more than two games in a row after mid-January and didn't win back-to-back games at all after January 23rd. Now team meetings and player-only meetings happen all the time in college sports, and this recording was one of those. But instead of fixing the issues that were plaguing the team, the seven seniors took turns criticizing the coaching and attitude of guard, saying that the head coach didn't have their backs, didn't care for them, and that he was responsible for the eroding culture of a program that just not too many years ago, six years ago, a little more than six years ago, was minutes away from a second national championship. Now, the seven seniors in that meeting were Trevor Anderson, Brad Davison, Aleem Ford, Walt McGorry, Micah Potter, Nate Reavers, and Demetric Trice. Now, of that group, only Davison is on the roster this upcoming season. He is taking advantage of the NCAA making last year a non-counter year because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Ford, Potter, and Trice announced not long after the season that they were turning pro Anderson and McGrory announced that they are transferring. They are at Valparaiso, Anderson is, and McGrory is at South Dakota. Reavers, who suffered through a horrendous statistical season, initially announced he was transferring, but then eventually declared he was turning pro. Of the coaches in the room, only Orlando Tucker is no longer with the program. He was replaced with another former UW player, Sharif Chambliss, late last month. Tucker applied for the full-time job after serving as an interim assistant coach for two seasons uh, when Howard Moore uh, had to take a leave of absence following his tragic car accident. Uh, The uh, recording provided starts with Davison talking about the reasoning behind calling the meeting 
and how the frustrating season could still be turned around, but there was a disconnect between the players and the coaches, particularly guard. Uh, the minutes that follow are uncomfortable. Um, they're uncomfortable for those who want to put yourself in the room, and they're uncomfortable for those that are fans of the Wisconsin program, but they tell a tale of why last season, particularly in Big Ten play, was as bad as it was. You know, Demetri Trice followed Davison by saying that the players, particularly the seniors, rallied around guard the previous year, but weren't doing so currently. Remember, the Badgers were 9-1 after Kobe King abruptly left the program in 2019-2020, and the Badgers won their final eight games to win a share of the Big Ten Conference title. Guard was named Coach of the Year, and Wisconsin was peaking just as the Big Ten Tournament and the NCAA Tournament were canceled because of COVID-19. Um, now, here's a chunk of the audio. I'll play about about 30 minutes of it. So if you want to listen to it, uh, feel free to listen to the entire 30. Otherwise, just you know, skip ahead about 30 minutes, and I'll, I'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about this. And uh, of this chunk, you're going to hear an emotional reverse criticizing Guard for letting the player-coach relationship between them fracture beyond repair. Remember, Gar was the lead recruiter for Nate Reavers. Uh, Trevor Anderson is criticizing Gar for calling out players after losses that create finger point in the locker room. And, you know, certainly quite a bit, too, from Michael Power, who's the youngest of the group in terms of tenure at Wisconsin, just two and a half years. And he has a lot of poignant things to say. Um, let's listen in to this, this secret recording sent to us uh, from a meeting that happened in February between Gard and the players on the Wisconsin roster. The sense of our conversation is, like you said multiple times, we're nearing the end of our road where we have four, five, six guaranteed games left. And you've mentioned it a few times, and it's starting to sink in with us too. It's like, just for some of us, who knows, but like the last time we get to wear this jersey, is we want to make sure that we not only get the most out of it, but leave it in a better place than when we found it too. And so, kind of what you just said, but any feelings that we have or things that we have on our heart or that we want to get off our chest. If we don't say them, we feel like we would be doing a disservice to ourselves, but also to you and to the staff and probably maybe more importantly to the people in the locker room that are coming behind us. Because this isn't just a conversation where we're coming at you or at anybody. This is a, like a program-driven conversation. Because when you've been a part of a program for five years, four years, two and a half years and how long you guys have been a part of the program, like you start to, you know, love the program and want what's um, best for the program. So this conversation is not coming from like hate or animosity, but it's like love for the staff and for the program that we want. We want to see like this, like the culture get to where we want it to be. And we've had numerous conversations about what we want the culture here to be. And so it's not like we know there are so many things basketball-wise that we can do better and need to do better, rebounding, taking care of the ball, all that stuff. Like when you've been here long enough, you know when things are right or wrong, but this is a conversation that we feel is much deeper and bigger um, than basketball in a lot of stances. Um, and so I know you've asked me, you've asked each other guys like what that disconnect is, and for all of us, we kind of have that unified thing where the disconnect is between you and us, and us, you and other guys in the locker room where we desire like a relationship with you, uh, where you know who we are, that you care for us, that you value us more than just on the basketball court. And we like want that and feel like we have lacked that in certain areas where then when things happen on the basketball court, it heightens it 
Yeah, I mean, like little things become big things because you're not working on the foundation where you feel like you're always fighting for the same thing. Um, and so that was just one thing we wanted. We all have different things that we're going to say, but that's one thing I wanted to start with. This is a program-driven conversation where we know we can be better, but also it's because we love and respect you guys. We want you to hear it so that we can move forward because the season's far from over. We're going to take steps, but that relationship aspect is something that we all value and desire and feel like we're all missing from the top down because in our locker room, we're, it's, it's, like, we talk all the time, we hang out, we do all this, like, we're very tight in the locker room, but then we step on the court because like, we're fighting so many different things when everyone doesn't want to succeed. So when it's in the huddle or in the court, we got to all be on the same page and connected. So that was kind of just wanted to start with that pre-test. Um, <clears throat> after the game, I don't really know what kind of like brought it up, but people were starting to open up a little bit more about what they felt was wrong, what was going on with the, the team. And I've struggled with it too, because I've been trying to figure out, is it selfishness? Or we're worried about what somebody else is doing on the court, or how somebody else is playing, or living up to somebody's expectations, or thinking about after, or after we're done here. But, Looking at it last night, I feel like it's it's deeper than that, and I think that us as a group, as a unit, we're connected. I think we all care for one another when we're on the court, but I think there's that disconnect between us as a group and a team and you. And I feel like we brought we brought up the fact that the lot we bring up last year and we, we forget about last year and things like that. But those last eight games were totally different than the previous. 20-whatever games we played earlier in that year, and we, we just had the thought of why would we go back to the old way things were and go back to that old philosophy of coaching and how you approach guys and how you, yeah, we have like some sensitive and emotional guys on this team, but we feed off of that when we're getting that from you as well. And I feel like we're doing so much and using so much energy on the court to lift somebody else up because they might get taken out for a messed up play or whatever, um, and their, their head gets down. But we're using so much energy trying to lift them up that we can't even focus on the next player, get them to focus on the next play because we're too busy trying to lift up Aleem and Nate and focus on other little things that it should just be like, you know, you need to do better, next play, move on, like lift each other up. And we just feel like we're not getting that same vibe, that same emotion that we had at the end of last year, which made us a great team. And that brings me to, like, to my next point where last year we were playing for one another, but we were also playing for you. And I feel like the disconnect where we're not playing for you right now. We're not here to build your resume, so to speak, with all respect given and everything like that. But we're playing more as a team, and then there's you. And I feel like there's just not that, that connection that we need to have in order to be great. And... I feel like this conversation is important to have moving forward, not just for the rest of the season, which I told the guys last night, like there's four games left in this year and the season's far from over, which is crazy to think about because we have a tough stretch still yet to play. And we can st still make a run in the tournament and in the NCAA tournament. So it's not too late to turn the season around, but we just have to find that connect and that connection between us and you especially when we get on the court. I don't know if it's like a mindset thing that we have to switch to where we, how we had our backs against the wall last year, and it's starting to get to that point already, like at the end of this year. So 
that's just like my take on it. I don't know if anybody else feels the same way, but I just feel like that connect needs to be strong, and we need to feel like you have our back no matter what goes on, whatever goes on. And I feel like the testimony today with not showing film, like you don't feel like there was that much wrong and there was less than 20 clips. Like leaving and during the game and after the game, we felt like we did everything wrong. We felt like everything that we did was wrong. We didn't feel like not one thing went right. But then for you to come in like today and like like there wasn't many things wrong, we didn't see much. We don't feel like that when we leave here. We don't feel like that after a game. We don't like lift people up enough, I feel like, and the energy is always worried about trying to lift somebody up rather than encouraging them to be better and do better and have each other's back. That's just where I am and how I feel, and I feel like it's an important conversation to have right now before we go on this tough stretch still, and I feel like there's, it could go one of two ways really at the end of this is we, we get this all out on the table, we don't change anything, we go out and just play the rest of this year, and it turns into a shit show, and we go 0-4 or 1-3 or whatever, go into the tournament, lose our first game, make it to the NCAA tournament, lose that game, then we're gone, we don't, we don't look back at it, or we can turn it around and make this end of the year. Nobody will remember the losses that we had in the Big Ten if we go and make a run here. So I think that this is the perfect time to have this conversation, and we're all grown men in here, so I think we can have this conversation, and we can take it with tough skin and with love, but I just feel like that connection just needs to be stronger between us, and specifically you, and I think we have a really good relationship with um, the assistants, and we can come and talk to you guys, like, really, whenever whatever we feel about or feel anything. So that's just where I'm coming from. I'm speaking from the heart, and I 100% agree and like feel this way about the team and the disconnect that's happening right now. It's not, it's not just us through these last couple of games here. It's Tyler Wall, it's Johnny Davis, it's Stephen Crowell, Ben Carlson. And they're Tyler's and Johnny, they're fucking pissed. They're not, they're not, they're not happy with what's going on. And, Tell you what, it's not just because like we're we're done, we're gone after this. I'm saying you're gonna have to make sure you can it doesn't change for them, they might be gone too. Because um, and we want to get back to having fun with each other. Like I I just feel like coach, we don't have a relationship. And in my mind it's too late for that. Like I don't personally don't think or feel that you don't care about our future aspirations or of us. Like, I can't come and talk to you. I, I just don't want to talk to you. I, after this, Coach, like, I don't know what type of relationship we're going to have if we even have And at this point, it's probably too late to fix that. It's not too late to win these games and go on around together. But it's also for the people behind us. It's, you know, you need to figure out a fix it for them too. Because I don't want to have someone deal with the shit that I just, you know, felt like I've had to deal with. For, and I feel like I've given everything to this program for four years. Four years of my life. If I look back at it this year, with the pandemic that happened, I don't know if I would have came back, coach. I already have my degree. It just, I'm fucking frustrated. And there would be a really good opportunity here to bring it back together and finish these games together. But personally, I just feel like there's some things that just, it's too late to be fixed. I'm talking long term. In my heart.
I think, like, going off of that, uh, something I, like, saw at, after the last two games was, like, out of, like, a 40-minute basketball game, so much shit goes wrong. So many people are held accountable, coaches, players, everybody. And you came into the locker room yesterday, and you pointed out two plays. You pointed out the Meech play at the end of the half, and you pointed out, oh, I threw Nate in there for 30 seconds, and his soft ass can't get a rebound and one. And, like, Nate's, Nate's struggling right now. And I think you as a coach have to, like, realize what that does to a player. He's already struggling. Maybe he didn't have he had an off night. And then our head coach, our leader, our guy we're supposed to look up to comes in and just basically says, like, one of the two plays that cost us the game was on him. And I, I just feel like, and then we did that at, at Michi uh, against Michigan, too. You talked about the zero rebounds, um, the, the, like, basically the whole time, and you single out two players. Why not talk about the eight guys that played? I mean, we all had a part of it. We all had, like, issues, stuff that went wrong. Um, we, like, I think we put too much, like, emphasis on, like, specific things that go wrong in a game, and we harp on, like, the turnovers, the the rebounding. And then I think that's when, like, everybody starts, like, you always ask, like, why does everybody get so defensive? Like, why can't anybody take it? Because I think that's what you do to us. Like, you're always pointing the finger at, oh, Meech has three turnovers. Fuck, like, Meech, turn over, turn over. Like, we played Illinois, and they had 20 turnovers, and they, they beat us by 15. Because if you do other stuff, like, really well, those turnovers might not be a big deal in the end. And I think, like, that defensive mechanism of everybody's pointing the finger at somebody else, I'm pointing at Brad, Brad's pointing at Aline, I think that comes down to a lot of, like, what you do to us. And I think it's just human nature, like, and it, like, I don't know, like, if you struggle with something, like, I think you could talk to us, like, uh, like Penn State, for example, we, you, you talked about, like, having fun, like, let it, let it rip, and then three turnovers happen in the first five possession, and you're MFing everybody, ganking people, like, I just, like, what changes from the locker room to that first five minutes of a game? And, like, I, I think of, like, my dad, like, I guess it's a dad, so it's, a, like, you were talking about me and Meech's dad's experience, like, I guess with, with my dad, it's a little different, um, but, like, I, like, all, like, if you ask Sam, you ask Joey, like, you ask all those guys, like, like, they had a relationship with him, and, like, he could say whatever to us, and we were, we'd take it like a man. Like, yeah, we'd maybe talk back every once in a while, but, like, like that was our guy. And, like, I remember, I'll never forget, like, we played in a Christmas tournament, and we had Germantown the next day. So my, I think my dad was overlooking it a little bit, and he made some questionable substitutions, kind of wasn't all there, and I, I, we were riding home in the uh, car afterwards, and I, was, I looked at him, I was like, you're fucking bad tonight. And like, I think that's something that like we can like we can hold you accountable. You can hold us accountable. But like they said, if there's not that relationship, you can't really do that. And then it's just kind of noise at that point. Like you and my boss, fuck. Like who's this guy saying all this? Like I feel like if Tug, Coach Crab, and Coach O, like they MF me, like I might get mad at you, but like fuck. Like, I'm like, 
because I've talked to these guys. I've, I've had phone conversations with these guys. Like, it's not, we talk about stuff other than basketball. Um, so that's, that's my two cents. Um, and, like, if there's something you struggle with, too, like, we get it. Like, you're, you're human. You're, like, you can, you can talk about it. Like, you don't have to, like, leave practice and then just go and just bottle it all up inside. Like, like if you're struggling with something, like, we can, we can pick you up. Like, you're, you're our guy. Like, and I feel like maybe you do that sometimes. And, um, I think it would help to just be transparent with those relationships. And, like, like you said with Brad, like, or anybody, I guess, like, getting blasted on social media, getting, like, after Marquette, I was walking back to my apartment and these frat guys, oh, Anderson, you fucking suck. Like, we all get it. Like, it all hurts us inside. Like, you can't run from it. And if that's something, like, you struggle with, if that's something anybody, like, we can have those conversations. Like, we're all in this together. We all, we're all human. We all feel. We all want to, like, do right for each other. Oh, my bad. Sorry. I'm sorry. So I guess that's my two cents. Definitely else does. But there's not a relationship there or a foundation to stand on. Everything becomes, it's impossible not to take it personally. So like when you, like if you say like, if you don't have to, like, I'll use Tyler Wall as an example. Like, when you tell him like he's in the game to go baseline, like, if you were to say that to him, but he knows that you, like you're in this relationship that you care for him, you fight for him, you want the best for him, you would take that, you would, I would take that and be like, okay, yeah, like he wants what's best for him, not going to drive baseline, but the way Tyler Wall perceives it, because, again, there's not that relationship there, it's like, he's just, you're just kind of like cutting him down, and he's not, there's nothing to stand on. So like all these things that, it might look like people are being, um, what's the word, sensitive to, it's like these little things that we might seem like it's sensitive to are made so big and so glaring that's all we have. Like that's the substance, this is just with you on the basketball court. And so all we know is he's the one who gets mad at me for turnovers, the one who subs me out, or the one who does this. But it's, when it's a little different, like what people have said, like Coach Crab, we've known each other for a really long time, and there's moments where I hate him. Like there's moments where I hate him, but then afterwards, we're cool because we have that relationship there. Like after the game, Aline said something to Micah about how he hasn't been with us the last couple weeks, and then they hugged afterwards because there's that relationship there. So this like, accountability thing, together thing, that's all based on the foundation of having a relationship, because then you can go through adversity, you can have ups and downs, you can have go through those and but you can also like, stay united and not create this culture that becomes, what do you say, like, just this, we create an individualized culture here by doing, by focusing on negatives, by focusing on things that we need to do better, by, you know, like singling people out. And everyone's going through it. We all do it. Even as, like, a player, like, if someone makes a mistake, I'm keen to, like, oh, well, that was on Meech. And then I get mad at Meech. Like, Coach Cradley, he'll, Michael will say, oh, it's on Micah. But we talk about team, team, team. But then the way we approach things is so individualized all the time from everyone across the board, the whole program, you guys included. And it makes it makes me do it too, all the time. Like I'll find myself talking to my parents and I'm like, well shoot, maybe early after Marquette, well Micah didn't box out, so we lost the game because of that. It's like, no, like that's not, 
that's not the culture we want. Like we've talked about culture, culture, culture ever since I got here hundreds of times. Hundreds of times. And the culture that we feed and try to build is not what we want and what we talk about. The things we say, the things we do. And it's just tough that we've tried so hard to build the culture and then the things we do, the things we say, just hash at the bottom of it. Everyone is responsible for it, but again, it starts from the top down how we approach things. Ultimately, Coach, we just want the guy that came to us last year and apologized in tears. I'm not saying you have to cry and apologize, like, but like that was honestly like the biggest turning point last year. Like we felt that we could, wow, we could play for this guy. We can relate to this guy. Like. And that was honest, like, yeah, okay, we, we beat Michigan State, we lost to Minnesota, and we went to Iowa, and we lost, and it was like the attitude that you had after the game, like, wow, like, we love that effort, you know, yeah, there's some things we can fix, but that was the kind of effort, that's the kind of team that I want to coach, I'm proud of that effort. And then it's just like after that, we went on a run. And like, going like, I'm going to say both that made is, it's like, it genuinely doesn't feel like you're for us. Like, you can say play free, you can say have fun, you can say all this stuff, but in reality, actions speak louder than words. And if it's something where it's like, shoot, like, I'm worried, like you said, like, you told me, like, that's not a good shot when it's like, I don't know, I, I, it's not a bad shot, early shot, whatever, but it's like, the kind of, like, confidence is everything, and I think for all of us, confidence is everything. And if you, like, have any kind of hesitation, everyone's so freaking scared of making mistakes, whether it be turning the ball over, taking bad shots, you know, not playing well on defense, it's like everything's so focused on these certain things, and it's like, mistakes happen in a game, you have to be able to like move on and adjust from a mid-game. Basketball is a game of runs and mistakes, things are going to happen, you have to be able to adjust. And like, if guys are so uptight, it's like, nothing's going to work. Like, we're shooting the ball like crap. We've shot the ball like crap. Honestly, I, I feel like ever since like, maybe the Michigan State game or whatever, like we're horrible. Everyone knows we're not, we're not, you know, this bad of a shooting team. We all know that. Like, but it's just the no one has any kind of confidence, and it's because like Lewis Riddick, he's an ESPN guy who played in the NFL. Honestly, I was watching ESPN with my dad in his hotel room last night. He said talking about Carson Wentz going to the Colts. He's like, ultimately, when it comes down to getting the max out of your players from a performance standpoint, this comes down to relationships. If the coach, because the offensive coordinator that was with the Eagles uh, when Carson Wentz had his MVP type caliber year, he's with the Colts now. He's like, if you want to get the best out of your players, it comes like the ultimate best. It comes down to the relationship. If you don't have a good relationship with your players, they're not going to be their absolute best. And honestly, like that was like that he hit the nail on the head. Like that is exactly what the issue is here. Is like no, that's what the disconnect is. No one feels like they have a relationship. But like we have relationship with these guys. Like they can come up MFS, like all of these things. And like me and Coach Kraft, like there was the one practice where we were like going at each other. But in the end, like, we're talking afterwards, we're shooting together, like, no hard feelings, whatever. But it's, like, when it comes down to you, like, and, I'll, and like, you said this last year when, in that meeting that we had, it's, like, when you become the head coach, your words mean more than, than anyone else in the program. And it's, like, when you say all these things and it's constantly negative, like, that goes for negative and positive things, too. Like, if a head coach tells the kid that that was a great game and that he had made great plays or whatever, that'll boost his confidence a lot. But it's the same thing when it's negative. It'll kill his confidence a lot more. So it's like, that's the biggest thing where it's like, for me, like, I've got lots of stuff going on. Like, I'm getting married in freaking three months. I'm worried about a lot of different things. And it's like, i got to provide for her, but I'm also trying to, like, you know, think about what I can do here because ultimately in the future, like, 
like the best thing for all of us, if we have any kind of aspirations after we leave here, whether it's playing basketball or coaching, whatever, is if we have success. You said everyone knows that. Like people go on runs in the tournament and they have great success, and that's why they have success at the next level, regardless overseas, NBA, whatever. And like, so that's what needs to happen. But it's like, like Nate says, like he made, he's questioning whether he's made the right decision to come back or not. I'm making this. I've had the same thoughts. Like, did I ruin? Did I waste the year of my life? To come back here, and like I was planning on coming back, having a great year, going making a final four, and all this kind of stuff, and then this crap happens, and it's like no one knows what to do, and it's all this rut, and it's because of a disconnect with you. And so, like for me, like all of the guys in this team, we're all like, I've been a part of essentially three different college teams under three different coaching staffs. This is by far the most relational and connected team that I've ever been a part of from a player standpoint. But the issue is, it's like it's the opposite of what I had at Ohio State. The coaching staff was awesome, but the players were the disconnect. Here, it's like the players are awesome, but it's like the head coach that's where the disconnect's at. And so, if we want to make any kind of run at this, that has to change. Like, and that all we want is just that coach at the end of the year last year, the last whatever it was, like ten games or so, where like, okay, we lost, we made mistakes, whatever, but let's move on, and we went on a run because we felt like we could play for you. We felt like we could relate to you. And that's what made it successful because we had that relationship and that brought the best out of everyone else. Because if you have no relationship with your head coach, you're never going to have, or any of the assistants or whatever, you're never going to have any kind of success. Unless it's like, like literally, like, okay, I just have to go fend for myself at this point. Because if you, I, I guarantee you, we talked about this last night, like, guys feel like the only thing that they can do is go fend for themselves out there. Because no one, we don't feel like anyone, like you specifically, has our back. Like, and that's and that's where, like, that idea of selfishness can come in, but it's like, what else are we supposed to do? I mean, all of these guys, like, I have aspirations after this, whether it be professionally, whatever, specifically guys that want to play professional basketball, like, this, at this point, in a, any other regular student's career, they have an internships, and they have a job set up at this point. So I'm a senior, they have a job set up for them as soon as they leave school. They have a location, they have all this stuff. We have no idea, like, this is our internship, this is our job application process. And we have no idea what the heck's going to happen after this. And the, how everything's been going, it makes it even harder for us because we really don't know even more. Like last year, we had some ideas, and obviously things got taken away, but like we had some ideas. Like now it's just like things are happening. Like we're not playing well, and then everything starts to go downhill. Like I'm worried about providing for my wife and my future family. These guys are worried about providing for themselves. These guys have girlfriends worried about providing for their future wives or whatever. And so like we have to have that you know, feeling that like, Everyone in the program has our back, and it starts from the top down. And that's with you. And like having our backs and actually speak louder than words, whether it be defending Brad and like legitimately full force, screw the Big Ten, screw the referees, screw ESPN. I am for my player. I'm not going to attack him in any way. Because honestly, coach, like I saw this last year when after the Iowa game and he got his suspension, I was like, you attacked his ability. You did. All right, in the in the statement you made in the paper, you attacked his ability as a player. The kid had freaking how many offers coming out of coming out of high school? And you said he has to play as hard as he can, and he gets put in situations like that. Like regardless of what you think or whatever, like that you attacked him, and it's like that kind of like absolutely speak a lot of the words. You say you're going to do all this stuff. You say you're going to fight. You say you're going to do whatever. But in the reality, if, you're, if you don't back it up with your actions, you look like a hypocrite, and that makes people not trust you anymore. So you. You have to like use your actions. I know it's tough, and that's something that we can all help you with. Like you came to us vulnerable last year. You said this is something I struggle with. That's awesome. But being able to have that kind of a relationship with someone, like realizing yes, we struggle with it, you struggle with it, but being able to like be together, be a family, and help each other with it, 
Like, that's the kind of stuff that we want and we need, because we're all relational people. It's the generation we are in, whatever. But, like, every single person on this team is super relational. We've got guys crying in here because they want to have that relationship with you, but we don't have it. And that's what we're starving for, and we don't have it. It's like a father, like, especially these younger guys, like Tyler Wall, Ben Carlson, Stephen Crowell, like, this is the first, especially for the, for the freshmen, this is the first time they've been away from their families in their entire life. They're in a pandemic, they're in a bubble, they can't see people. And so you are their father figure, and they have zero relationship with you. I mean, think about Isaac in that situation. Like, right, he's away from his family, he's on, at college, he's, oh, like, and then on his over the first time, he has to sit in this bubble by himself. We come to the gym, we leave, and then he's just alone all the time. And he has no relationship with anyone. I mean, that's the that's what we're in right now. And some of these guys, like, we're so relational with each other, like, and with everyone else. Like, that's how when we thrive off of when we have zero relationship with you. So in the end, like that, we just want that coach that that you know came to us last year, but we felt like we could play for, we felt like we could play with, we wanted to play for, we wanted to, you know have success, you could have success, and so the team could have success, and that's just what we've been missing all year. Welcome back into the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Now, that last voice you heard in that audio recording is from Potter. Now, remember, Guard and the Wisconsin staff fought vigorously for Potter to be eligible at the beginning of the 2019-20 season, but the NCAA denied a number of appeals to have Potter uh, eligible from day one, and that caused Guard to publicly criticize the organization. And Gard has done this, too, for a number of times. Remember when Brad Davison was suspended prior to the Michigan State game, he came out publicly and criticized the Big Ten, and Wisconsin ended up winning that game, and that kind of started that big streak. And, you know, it should be note that Gard did ridicule the Big Ten officials, the conference, and the University of Iowa to some degree in the defense of Davidson at the end of last season for putting his senior guard under the microscope when it came to flagrant one fouls. So, uh, certainly, maybe Guard took some of those comments to heart, um, but, but certainly it, it, there's a lot to unpack in that entire conversation. Now, what you're going to hear next is from Walt McGorry, the only walk-on of the group who underwent hip surgery and missed a large chunk of last season. And, and McGorry becomes incredibly emotional when saying he felt abandoned by Guard and doesn't know if he'll speak to his head coach after that meeting. And I'll warning, there is going to be some harsh language that may that some people may find a little offensive. Yeah, so from my perspective, I think you just take for granted, like, what Wisconsin is. You talk about, like, the program, like, guys would chop off their left nut, whatever, to come here. And that once they come here, they just, you know, like, kind of, like, bow down to Wisconsin, like, the glory and everything. But, like, guys won't do that if they get here. And it's like, like, you are, like, it's not, you're the head coach, like, you're kind of what makes the program at this point. So you have to, like, prove that Wisconsin's worth that. Like, this is the place to be. Like, if a kid gets here and they think this is what it's going to be, and then it's just not, the relationship's not there, and it's not what they thought it was. Like, they're not just going to keep, like, they're not just going to play for Wisconsin, like, the program, the title. Like, you're, you're like, the top Wisconsin, so you have, they have to be there playing for you. And, like, you guys talk about it. Like, I go on my like my own program and it's like I don't know I just I like never felt like uh, like you brought me into this program I didn't get (laughs) 
concern you and, and and we save kind of what i think is the worst for last when aleem ford talks about the family atmosphere at wisconsin and he says that that atmosphere in recruiting that uw promotes is uh quote kind of a lie and show because that's not how truly we as seniors the seven seniors feel in the program he added that he doesn't know if he wants to come back to wisconsin in the future and that the reasons he succeeded during sporadic points over the last two years was when he stopped listening to guard and was playing to prove his head coach wrong. Um, I mean, obviously the biggest thing we talked about is relationship. And we kind of talked about this last night with how we're like supposed to be like a family program or like Wisconsin is our culture and we're all together. And then we brought up the example of how alumni don't come back here and Micah talked about how Ohio State guys would want to come back here and that's based off relationships that they have with the people in the program and multiple guys here have said like 
after our time here, we wouldn't want to come back here. Or like, we don't have that family atmosphere that we always promote. Like when guys come to our business, we're like, we're all together, this is us. And then it kind of feels like it's a lie or just a show because that's not truly how we all feel in this program. And like even guys that succeeded here, Frank and Nigel, other guys, they don't come back here all the time. They're not here with us. We never seen them. I don't. I haven't seen numerous guys since we left here. And that's just because because of the time that they spent here. And like another guy said, and I would say the same, like if I, after I'm done here, like I don't know if I would want to come back. Like it doesn't feel like home, even though I spent the last five years. I'm from Georgia. I barely go home. And this doesn't feel like home away from home. And I mean, it's tough. Everyone goes through it, but like we spent a decent amount of our lives here working our ass off every day. And it's like, we look at you and you don't instill confidence in us. From the first day I've been here, I feel like you never, I don't know, it's like it's been tough. Like it's just getting knocked down. And then like, I took it upon myself. Like when I started playing well here, it was when I was like, I'm not listening to you anymore. And like, that's how I succeeded here. It's supposed to prove you wrong. It wasn't to play for you or like win games for you. It was to like show myself that you're wrong. And like these guys helped me. And part of my success here is that. And like, I don't know if I want my son, son to come here or anyone like if I would tell people to come here and play for this program because it's not, I wouldn't want anyone else to go through what I went through. And from when I first got here, I played with that 16 class from Khalil, Ethan, all those guys, people that succeeded, people that struggled, Andy, they all went through the same thing. Everyone has highs and lows. And I don't know if it's because they're inconsistent players, but like, I feel like it's inconsistent coaching or like an inconsistent program to why guys start off well and have to later in the season transfer or whatever it is. It's because they struggle here and it's all based on those relationships, I feel like. And having those relationships and something to fall back on is huge. And like you said, this is college, this is a family. We're not a professional team right now, so like those relationships are very important because like you said before, this is the only time in our life to where we're gonna have a group, a circle, a base that is for us. And we say that, but it doesn't really feel like that. And like we've all said so far, that's, I mean, that's really how it feels. And that's kind of where it starts. We're not saying that it's magically just gonna make us win games, but having that togetherness can go a long way. And being together can make a huge difference regardless if there are W's in the one column or else. But I mean, just that's something that needs to change, not just for us, but for the future of the program. And like you said, if we wanna, or if we have a good senior class and you said to leave the program in a better place, and this is a conversation that we need to have, not just for us and the rest of the season, but for the future, for the rest of the guys, for the commits coming in. And it's something that can change and it can, it can benefit a long way. Now that's the end of the audio recording. The recording does cut off after each of the seven players have addressed guard at least once. And the meeting goes on for approximately another two hours. And what we don't hear is that guard's response. And apparently there's a lot of tears being shed, a very heartfelt uh, you know, two hours and 30 some minute meeting between guard, the assistants and the players. And you know, for, to his credit in that 37 minutes, you don't hear Greg guard at all. Uh, he listened, 
He apologized and he spent his time again addressing some of those individual concerns. And, you know, Wisconsin did win at Northwestern two days after the meeting, won 68-51, but, you know, the beat kind of went on for the rest of the season. The Badgers lost uh, three consecutive games and they split two games in both the Big Ten and the NCAA tournament to finish 18 and 13 in what was probably one of the more disappointing years in the last 20, 25, 30 years of Wisconsin basketball, kind of dating back to when Bo Ryan first came. Now, Gard's contract was extended by a year after the season, which is uh, typical for a lot of coaches, um, and he's scheduled to make uh, just over $2.6 million this upcoming year. Uh, Gard obviously was very disappointed, released a statement through the UW Twitter account, and he also joined uh, Scalzo and Brust on ESPN Radio, ESPN Wisconsin Radio, this past week, and he started by expressing his disappointment that a private conversation between players and coaches was released, adding that his first concern was the impact the recording could have on the current roster. And he then addressed why he thought the meeting came about in the first place. Well, I think obviously going through a year that it was it was hard. It was uh, frustrating at times just because of the, the pandemic that we were in. I think the stress that that created uh, exasperated, uh, you know, just from the summer on, just what we had to do and what everybody uh, was required to do to walk a season back into place. So, and obviously you have high expectations. You always want to play well. And, uh, you know, there's there's always been player meetings, player coach meetings since the beginning of time. So those conversations are always healthy. Um, sometimes they're uncomfortable, but they're always healthy in nature in terms of your, your end result of where you get to. Um, so I, I think that was, you know, Part of it was just a, a mechanism for everybody to get some things off their chest. Um, obviously, there's only a very small portion of that meeting that I think, uh, from what I've, I haven't listened to the audio because I was in the meeting, I know what was said, so I have not uh, listened to it. But uh, you know, like I said, there's there's a lot more dialogue and conversation about a variety of topics um, that also took place within that time the time frame beyond that. Concerning one of the biggest criticisms of the seniors on that tape was Guard's unwillingness to change or unwilling to alter his approach. Uh, Guard addressed how he felt when those seniors came to him with these concerns and how he has changed his approach, not just over his five and a half years as a head coach, but over his entire tenure as an assistant coach coach at the University of Wisconsin. I think just how you look at the game, the game has evolved from a, from a strategy standpoint, the impact of three, um, you know, and, and those things and how the evolution of the ball screen, uh, I don't think it it changes the importance or de-emphasize the importance of playing in the paint, but I think you look at some of that from a strategy standpoint, how you play, um, and I think you're, you always kind of navigate or change your offensive maybe emphasis based on the skill level of your group or what your group is really good at. If you have a really good post player, maybe you do a little bit more with that. If you have a really good guard that can make good decisions off ball screens, maybe you do a little bit of that. And I think you're always looking for better ways and evolving ways to communicate with, with student athletes because that is a forever changing world and everybody is different. How you communicate with player A to, to Z you will never find two that are the same. So, and that's you know, is the job of the teachers to find the best way that everybody learns, and, and it obviously changes from player to player. I think in terms of changing, you're always evolving as a coach. I've, I've changed 
every year that I've that I've been a coach, even as an assistant. You're always learning and growing and evolving. And if you're not doing that, then you're you're stuck in time. So I think constantly always looking for ways to improve and and some things, you know, the more things change, some things stay the same. Uh, in terms of you know, the importance of fundamentals in the game and those type of things. But I think you're always looking for ways that you can help your, your student-athletes be better. And, uh, and obviously that involves you know, may, helping our staff be better. So uh, it's always, we ask our players to always get better, and, and we try to do the same thing ourselves. Now, Ben Bruss played for Wisconsin when Guard was Bo Ryan's associate head coach, leaving the program in 2015. He asked Guard if he has seen a change in what student-athletes are trying to get out of their college sports experience now compared to when Bruss played for the Badgers just a little less than a decade ago. I think uh, social media has put, you know, and it's changed even from when you were a player, Ben. It's become more relevant. I think more... Uh, there's more things that are, you know, more of the experiences are known to the public in terms of, you know, Twitter, uh, those type of things. I think just in the uh, age that we're in, in the social media era, that uh, a lot of those experiences, practices, um, games, uh, those things are maybe when you were playing, we didn't have a camera in the locker room after a game or something like that, those things. Maybe in in certain moments we did, but there's there's more, I think, um, there's more of a, a window into uh, everybody's lives than maybe what there was, you know, 8, 10, 15 years ago. So I think that's one thing that's really changed. Uh, obviously, the opportunities to do different things professionally is growing immensely. I think you're seeing the the emergence now of the coming of the uh, name, image, and likeness and what players, how players are going to be able to benefit from that. So college athletics, the landscape of it is changing immensely and it's and there's so many new moving pieces that we're still, you know, finding how they fit and how they're going to be able to be applied in, in today's world is uh, obviously where we're going in, in terms of how things are changing in college athletics. And finally, the most important thing here, addressing the current roster. Uh, this certainly can uh, cause many people, especially parents of players in the program, to have some questions about where Wisconsin basketball is right now. Maybe some question marks about what kind of coach Greg Gar really is when he's not in the living room selling the program uh, to their sons. And so Gard addressed the current situation uh, with Scalzo and Bruss and how he approached this current roster, this current makeup roster, about what it's going to take moving forward with this team. I met with the team yesterday, and I said, how many of you have ever had a, a uh, team meeting with your high school teams? Or we've had, you know, we have three transfers that are in, and almost every hand in the room went up. And, you know, there's, that is normal. Team meetings and be able to communicate and talk, because it's like a family. Um, you know, Ben, you've been part of a locker room. Uh, the importance of communication of that, the importance of being able to be open and honest with the, everybody in the room. What's not normal is having it recorded and then having it be made public. That, that really, that sacred space, you know, uh, uh, players and athletes have very few safe zones. And the locker room was always viewed as a safe zone or a meeting room was viewed as a safe zone. So when that, um, you know, that right to privacy and confidentiality that everybody expected, it's violated, that's, that's very shaking. So my message was, hey, just be reassured that this is a safe zone. This is a safe zone, and, and be confident in the people around you that um, 
shared in here can be done in confidence and with trust and that this circle of trust cannot be broken. And that's, that was a poor thing. And then, hey, keep working like you are because they've had a great 10 days so far. It's an exciting group. They're hungry. They're working their butts off. So keep working what you're doing, what you're doing, and, and, uh, and keep, uh, like I said, your circle of trust very close to you. So there's a lot to unpack here, and for some, this audio release is going to increase the temperature under Guard's seat entering this upcoming fall. Now, on paper, Guard's teams have performed well. You know, in over five seasons, the Badgers have made the tournament three times out of four years. They've won a Big Ten regular season championship. They're 119-70 and 70 overall and 69-45 in Big Ten play. They've been good, certainly not maybe the level of Bo, Bo Ryan's latter years at Wisconsin, but they've been pretty good. But on the flip side, the Badgers have lacked pizzazz of the latter years of those Ryan teams. They've suffered through multiple disappointing seasons last year, especially, and they've been plagued by off-the-court problems in which this is just the latest episode. Now, both current athletic director Barry Alvarez and incoming AD Chris McIntosh, who will take over here on July 1, have expressed their support for guard moving into this season, so there's not going to be a coaching change between now and the start of the season, but that's certainly not going to calm a portion of the fan base that refused to accept Guard's ability as a coach. Now, Guard, he's always been under a bigger microscope compared to the other coaches at Wisconsin's revenue-generating programs, in in part because of who he has followed. You know, Guard is following a Hall of Fame coach who always had his teams competing for conference titles. Remember that Bo's Badgers... Famously finished in the top four of the league every single season and made the national tournament. Never missed one. Paul Chris is following Gary Anderson, who tried to change the Wisconsin football culture in two short years to something that they're not and never will be. And Tony Granato is firing Mike Eves on men's hockey side of things. And Eves' messaging had grown stale during a string of losing seasons. Now, to no one's surprise, Guard is a lot like Ryan, who is insanely tough on his players, especially those who he saw immense potential in, like Frank Kaminsky and Sam Decker. However, Bo Ryan had earned respect and notoriety over decades of coaching, and players believed in Bo Ryan and had Bo's back and knew that Bo had their best interest at heart. However, times are also radically different than what they were just a few short years ago with everything that goes on in the social climate. And Guard has every right to be angry that the sacred space of the locker room was violated by somebody and that person only chose to release the player's criticism of Guard and his practices and not Guard's response, which may have humanized him more than the unknown assailant would want. Now, there's no question in my mind that this audio release was done to humiliate Guard and to raise more questions about whether he's the right person to leave Wisconsin basketball moving forward. Now, while I give Guard a ton of credit for letting the players talk and rip him to shreds without interrupting him for nearly 40 minutes, and also give him credit for going on Scalzo and Bruss, talking to reporters over the course of the last couple of days to give his side of things. There's no question this is a this is a damning audio recording to guard and the type of program he's trying to run. It's not just one player complaining about something the coach was doing, like what we heard from Kobe King a couple years ago. It was seven seniors who have been with the program for multiple years and have seen an erosion in the culture of Wisconsin basketball. Now, This is the same roster that won the final eight games to win a conference championship the year before. And I don't think many coaches in America would have felt the need to massively retool this roster. So when players like Reavers, Ford, and Davison take massive steps backwards, combined with the stress of the daily testing and players and playing during the COVID-19 pandemic, it's easy to see 
that everyone cracked a little bit under the pressure with anxiety increasing and feelings getting hurt. However, this is on guards watch. This is guards program and these are guards players, many of whom who he recruited that have a big problem with how the head coach is responding and reacting on a daily basis. So this tape is a perfect opportunity for guard and Wisconsin basketball to hit the reset button. Keep in mind that only Davison is back and he's surrounded by two transfers in Shakori Neath and Chris Vogt who have Division I basketball experience. A talented guard in Jonathan Davis who made the first cut of the under-19 USA basketball team and a number of talented freshmen who guards that are eager to make an impact. That also includes Lauren Bowman who is back with the program after being away to deal with a family matter all last season. There's going to be hurdles to overcome from this tape for certain. Guard and Wisconsin are going to deal with a lot of negative recruiting from coaches who say the messaging being sent out by the staff is a lie. Remember, Potter told Guard that seniors don't feel like he's for us is a knife that can be twisted by a lot of people. Guard also needs to repair any burned bridges with young returning players on the roster, like Jonathan Davis, Tyler Wall, so on and so forth, and reestablish the culture that has made Wisconsin basketball a top 25 program nationally. Those likely are going to lead to several difficult and humbling conversations for the head coach. And while some fans may call these seniors soft, those seniors from last year, guard must adapt his style and his approach to prevent these kind of off-the-court issues from festering and reoccurring, but still must be himself and not a clone of Bo Ryan. If he doesn't, the Badgers will look like they did last year on the court, disjointed, sluggish, and boring. And that's the last thing guard needs during a rebuilding year with questions hanging over his head whether he is the right person to lead this program, especially when a new athletic director will evaluate him and the program he is leading this upcoming spring. We'll have plenty more on Wisconsin basketball over the course of the next several weeks and months as news comes out, and we'll have plenty more on Wisconsin football recruiting on next week's podcast. For all the latest on Wisconsin football, basketball, and recruiting, log on to BadgerBlitz.com. Follow John McNamara, who has been on top of things, everything Wisconsin football recruiting-wise over the last several weeks. He's at McNamara Rivals. Follow Jake Kosarowski at Jake K-O-C-O. And, of course, you can follow me at The Badger Nation. Thanks, as always, for downloading and listening to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Continue to have a great summer, and we'll talk to you next week here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast.